morning. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, this morning will be in verses 1 to 21. And the sermon called, The Son of David Arrives. The Son of David Arrives. But Merry Christmas Eve. We're here because God has sent his son into the world to save the world. We're here because the eternal son of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. We are here because God has loved us and pursued us in our sin and conquered us with his grace and made us his own. And so we've been looking at the promises God made to David about what he would send his son to do, who he would send his son to be. And now this morning, we will see when the son of David arrived. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is David's son, yet David's Lord. And this is what the angel told Mary. So before we get to Luke 2, listen to Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Do you see how much the promises made to David are in the mind of God as he sends this message, as we've been meditating on those promises made to David, that he would be, the son of David would be the son of God, that he would sit on the throne, that he would rule forever, that he would be an offspring of David. How clearly God shows these promises being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So let's meditate this morning on the glorious reality of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's read Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. Amen. The son of David is born. The son of David is born according to God's promise, just the way God said that it would happen is exactly how it happens. And we see in the first four verses of Luke chapter two that Jesus's lineage and birthplace are important. God has promised specific things to specific people and he keeps these specific promises. And so by God's providence, right before the birth of Jesus, it came into the heart of Caesar Augustus, the ruler, that all the world should be registered, that everyone should be counted among their people. And so because of the decree of Caesar Augustus, Joseph goes to Nazareth in Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Note and marvel that God wanted it to be a matter of formal, public, legal record that this Jesus who was to be born would be of the house and the lineage of David. It wasn't just a coincidence. It wasn't just something that happened, and nor was it something that happened, but nobody really knew, or maybe he's from David. God wanted it to be a matter of public legal record, and so he had the census prepare the time for the coming of Jesus so that it would be counted. Because God loves to confirm his promises. He loves to remove all doubt. And so he moved in the heart of this Caesar to order this census to accomplish his good purposes. And so he confirms that the Christ is the offspring of David, just as he promised. And not only that, but the census pulls Joseph and Mary from their home way north in Galilee, and it pulls them all the way south to Bethlehem, where the Christ was prophesied to be born. God wasn't worried 
oh no, I said they would be born in Bethlehem, but Joseph and Mary are up in Galilee, and what am I gonna do, and how am I gonna get them down there? No, this was all always part of the plan that the Lord called them and brought them to Bethlehem, that it might be fulfilled what we read in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Look how mighty human kings are in the hand of God to do with whatever he pleases for his purposes in saving his people, and fulfilling his promises. Wicked human governments and kings are bad and bring real suffering and real harm to people, as we see in the Christmas story, and yet they are no threat ultimately to God and to his purposes and to his salvation. Rather, he uses them as he wills. So the son of David is born according to God's promise, and also the son of David is born miraculously. Joseph came to be registered with Mary, verse 5 tells us, his betrothed who was with child. To be betrothed is not to be married, it's to be promised to be married. Note that Mary is not Joseph's wife. She is his betrothed. They are pledged to be married but they're not married. And if they're not married, how then has Mary come to be with child? It's not by any scandal or moral failing of Mary, but rather the scriptures tell us it is by miraculous conception from God himself. The virgin is with child. God had told David, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And who could have anticipated that this is what God meant, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary, and so she would be with child, and he would be called son of the Most High. Jesus is no mere mortal. He's no mere man. He is the God-man. He is the true Titan, not half man and half God, but rather fully man and fully God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is a miracle. As the Athanasian Creed says, we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, is both God and human equally. What wondrous mysteries are here. He is God from the essence of the Father begotten before time, and he is human from the essence of his mother born in time. Completely God, completely human, with a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father as regards divinity, less than the Father as regards humanity. Although he is God and human, yet Christ is not two, but one. He is one, however, not by his divinity being turned into flesh, but by God's taking humanity to himself. He is one, certainly not by the blending of his essence, but by the unity of his person. For just as one human is both rational soul and flesh, so too the one Christ is both God and human. 
so we confess. And the church has confessed down through the ages. And yet, in light of all that mind-bending glory, the son of David is born humbly and without fanfare. See how understated the moment is in verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You see how understated the moment is and how understated the explanation of it is? I mean, the story has been building and the son of David and hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years of longing for this moment and you expect in the story for some wild crescendo with clashing symbols and yet while they were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. What a wondrous mystery. What a Gideon victory is accomplished by this son of David. And then... Having been born, the son of David is announced. Verses 8 to 14. The son of David is announced, and who is he first announced to? The son of David is first announced to the shepherds. Now remember the theme of Jeremiah 23 that we looked at last Sunday, that the son of David would be the good shepherd over God's people, that God's people had bad shepherds that brought them suffering, but God was promising that the son of David would come and be a good shepherd over God's people. Or hear Ezekiel, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And just like David was found out in the pasture with the sheep and then exalted from there over all Israel. As God said in the Davidic covenant, I took you from the pasture with the sheep to exalt you to be king over my people. So as it was with David, so the son of David is first announced to the shepherds out in the pastures before he is exalted to shepherd over all the nations. So the son of David is announced first to shepherds, and the son of David is announced in glory. While his coming was understated and humble, yet it wasn't without any glory. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It's not that his coming had no glory, it just came without human glory. It came with the glory of God. It wasn't the glory of men that made his coming great. It wasn't a great stable. It wasn't a great room. It wasn't a great palace. It was a manger, and yet it was accompanied with the glory of God streaming down from the heavens. 
suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. With the Christ child, the glory of God is returning to his people. The glory that has long departed from his temple and from the midst of his people is now returning with the king. The son of David is announced to shepherds. The son of David is announced with glory. And the son of David is announced as good news for all people. Verse 10. The coming of Christ, the return of the glory of God, is not to condemn the world, but to save it. The coming of Christ is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The coming of Christ is gospel. It is good news of great joy. Our deliverer has come. God is reconciled to man. This is good news of great joy. This is why it's fitting to make merry, to rejoice, to feast, to sing, because this is good news of great joy. And great joy is the appropriate response. And this is good news that will be for all the people. Remember that God told David the Davidic covenant was instruction for mankind. It was not just for David, and it was not just for the people of Israel. It was for all mankind. And it's surprising to say that a king over Israel would be good news for all the people, isn't it? You would think that a good king over Israel would mean judgment on all the nations surrounding Israel that were constantly harassing them and that they were currently being oppressed by. Israel is an oppressed people under the thumb of oppressive rule, and now a king is rising up from within, and you would expect that king to come and to overthrow their enemies and destroy them all and exalt Israel over all the nations. You would not expect this king to come and be good news for all the peoples, and yet here he is. Because this king is not merely the king of Israel. He is the son of David and the son of Abraham. And to the son of Abraham, it was promised that God would bring blessing to all the peoples of the earth through him. Jesus is not only king of Israel. Jesus is king of all the nations. God has sent a good shepherd to his people and beyond to bring blessing and good news of great joy to all the people. What a generous and gracious and merciful God. And so the son of David is announced as Savior, Christ, and Lord. This Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is born in the city of David. This is emphasized on purpose. He is David's son and David's Lord. The son of David came to save us. He is the savior. He came to save us from our sins. The son of David is Christ, which is to say the anointed one, which is to say the Messiah, which is to say the king. He comes to rule over all the earth. 
And the son of David is Lord. He is Yahweh himself. He is God made flesh. Remember when Jesus challenged the Pharisees about this. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? How can David's son be David's Lord? Because he is Yahweh, the son of God. And yet again, as this announcement is bursting with glory, more glory than the world yet knows how to deal with, the son of David is announced with a humble sign. You see, we go back and forth from humility to glory, perfectly woven together in the son of God. Listen to verse 12 again, and this will be a sign for you. So how will they know? How will they know which one is the king? This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. He was not found in a golden bassinet with blankets of purple linen, as we might expect. He was wrapped in normal swaddling cloths and lying in a feeding trough. Fittingly so, because he is the only food by which we can truly live. Come to the manger and worship. Come to the manger and eat and live. So the son of David is born. The son of David is announced, and the son of David is worshipped. This is verses 15 to 20. The son of David is worshipped. First, the son of David is sought in faith. The shepherds had heard the announcement from God's messengers, and their response to the message they heard was, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hear God's announcement and they know that it's true. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they act on it immediately. Let us go. They hear the message. They know that it's true. They know it happened because they believe the word that has been sent to them. And then they go. They act in line with it. They go to see the Christ. They don't doubt it. They don't wonder about it. They don't say, huh, interesting, and then do nothing. They hear that they believe, and they go to find Christ. What a great example for us. Hear God's word about Jesus, the Savior King. Believe God's word about Jesus, the Savior King. Know that Christ has come, that he has come to forgive you for your sins, that he has come as your King and your Lord and Lord over all the earth. Believe it. And then go to Jesus, 
the Savior King. Go to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Make haste to go to the person of Christ. Christ is not merely someone who one time lived and is now dead, but Christ is someone who lived, was born, lived the perfect life, died and rose on the third day and sits at the right hand of the Father and whose presence is now here with you by the person of the Holy Spirit. And you can go to Christ as a living person right now and anytime you want. Go to Jesus, the Savior King. In fact, you not only can go to Jesus, you must go to Jesus, the Savior King. He is near to all who call upon him in faith. Go to Jesus with your sins. Confess them and find his mercy. Go to Jesus with your suffering and find his comfort and help. Go to Jesus with your joy and sing his praises and tell him his greatness. And when you seek him, he promises that you will find him. So how about you? The shepherds heard and they believed and they went to Jesus. Do you go to Jesus? Do you merely think about Jesus? Or do you go to Jesus? That difference is everything. You go to Jesus. If you have never gone to Jesus, go to him today. Seek him until you find him. If you have slid in actually going to the person of Christ and just slipped into thinking about Jesus or having nice thoughts about him, but kind of going on with your life without him, renew your dealings directly with God in the person of Christ. And do it this morning. Do it today. Go to Jesus. He will embrace you in his arms. So the son of David is sought, he is worshiped, and he is found as promised. Listen to verse 16. And they went with haste, hurried to Jesus, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. He is found as promised. God's word is always true. If God's word says he's in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, rest assured he's in the manger and he's wrapped in swaddling cloths. And if you go, you will find him just as it was said. And so if the scripture says to you, Jesus is near to all who call upon him in faith and that you can go to him and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Rest assured that when you go to Jesus and when you find him, you will find him to have an easy yoke and a light burden. You will find him to be your savior when you go to him, just as it was promised. Even if it seems weird or confusing, the Savior, Christ the Lord, is in Bethlehem. He's the least of all the clans of Judah, not even worthy to be counted among them. Now worthy to be counted among them because from them comes Christ the Lord. 
go seek the Lord, but it seems confusing, I'm sure, to them. He's, you will find him lying in a manger. Lying in a manger? But you just believe it, and you go. You believe God's word, even if it seems strange, even if it seems confusing, even if you think, I'm supposed to find glory, but the path looks like it's a path downward. Just follow God's word and believe him. God will say and do things that are hard to believe on purpose so that you will have to trust him, so that you will have to walk by faith in his promises because this is your connection to God, faith. So live by God's word, believe God's word, and you will find it to be as he said. Go to Jesus and you will find him to be a ready savior. So the son of David is sought in faith. He is found as promised and he is understood according to God's word. As in verse 17, God's word interprets our experience. The shepherds explained to Joseph and Mary what they had been told about the baby and it inspired wonder in everybody who heard. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. God will often reveal different things to different people and we need to have the humility to hear from one another. Joseph and Mary could have said, who are you random shepherds showing up to tell us about our own child? It's a pretty weird way to hear the message about them. But this was part of God's plan. When the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And their message was received with faith. In verses 18 to 20, the son of David inspired wonder and meditation and joyful praise. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them says verse 18. The Bible often surprises us. God often surprises us with his word. We should be a people who are ready to wonder at God's word, to acknowledge that there are things we don't know, things we don't understand, and to stand in awe. Mary, it says, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary meditated on what was revealed from God. She wondered at what was being told to her. She treasured all the words from God, even if she didn't understand them. She hid them away in her heart so she could continue to ponder them. I think that pondering might be becoming a lost art. We should be a people who treasure up and ponder God's word in our heart. It's hard to ponder today, isn't it? with so much information just constantly coming at us, it's hard to slow down and take time and ponder. That's what Mary does, and I think it's a wonderful example to us. This is what we've been trying to do together with the Davidic covenant promises over the last month, to think about them, to slow down and to take these promises that inform and give all this background to who the Christ is when he comes and to treasure them up and to ponder them in our hearts so that we might understand more and more of the riches of what Christ has come to do. So read these stories and when you hear them and don't despise them because of the familiarity, but rather 
treasure them up. And the more times you hear these same words, you can treasure them in your heart and hide these words away in your heart so that in quiet times, in those rare quiet times that you find and that you grab, you can ponder them and think about them. And God can show himself to you in the familiar words. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Verse 20. The coming of the son of David is good news of great joy. And so the shepherds glorified God and praised him for it. They laughed, glorifying God and praising him. Don't just ponder, but praise. Doctrine leads to worship. Glorify God. Praise him for Christ Jesus. Tell of his goodness to others. Say it out loud. Merry Christmas. Say out loud that Christ has come, that God has sent his son to save the world. Say it and say it with joy and say it with thanksgiving and say it to everybody, even if you think they might not like to hear it. Sing songs of praise to God. He has sent his son. Be like the shepherds who leave glorifying and praising God. Sing his praises in your homes. Take time to pray and praise him in your household as you gather and you celebrate him with feasting and with the giving of gifts and with all the things or whatever traditions you do, or even if you don't have any Christmas traditions, make sure you take time to say praises to God, to sing praises to God together. Stop and pray and give him the glory that he deserves so richly. Gather with his people to worship because unto us has been born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This brings us to the last verse, verse 21. We've seen that the son of David is born. The son of David is announced. The son of David is worshipped. And lastly, we see that the son of David is Jesus. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. His name was chosen by God, it's fitting that Jesus' dad assigned him his name. His name was chosen by God, communicated by an angel, and his name is Jesus. In Hebrew, Joshua, as we kind of transliterate it, or Yeshua, which means Yah saves. Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. As Matthew says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Yahweh saves his people from their sins. This son of David defeated not only Goliath and the Philistines like his father had, he defeated sin and the devil to save you. His father David had fought a lion and a bear that had taken his sheep. He says he went after it, took it by the beard and struck it and delivered his sheep out of its mouth. That was his great father David. 
But this son of David, this Lord of David, saw that sin had taken you in its teeth. And so he came to earth to go after it. He took sin and death by the beard, struck it a death blow on the cross, and delivered us out of sin and death's mouth forever. Hallelujah. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. But Jesus has delivered millions from the grave. Has he delivered you? Trust Jesus. Go to Jesus. Praise Jesus. And serve Jesus forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the son of David. Thank you for sending us a shepherd. Thank you for sending us a king. Thank you for sending us the Christ. Thank you for sending us the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Father, we give you great thanks. We praise you together this morning. We stop, we ponder what all this means for us. And we seek you now, Lord Jesus, in prayer. Lord Jesus, be with us. Come to us. Shine your light into our hearts in the darkest corners. Any part of darkness that remains in us, in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our country, and in our world, Lord Jesus, Come, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. Lord Jesus, shine the glory of your light and save many and save us and drive out our darkness. Be with those who are suffering this morning. Be near to them and grant them rejoicing in you. Lord Jesus, we seek you this morning by faith and we know that we have you and so we rejoice. Lord Jesus, you are everything. You are king of kings. You are the Lord of our hearts. You are the Lord of our lives and the Lord of the nations and the Lord of the cosmos. And so, Lord Jesus, we praise you that you became a baby, that you humbled yourself to come to your people and to be the king of the nations. And so, Lord Jesus, we praise you. We rejoice before you. We are so thankful and so glad to be your children and to be your people and to be saved. And we long for the day when all of this is brought to its fullness in the new heavens and the new earth. In the meantime, Lord Jesus, we seek you. Meet with us at your table. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name.